Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and to yours. How is everyone on this Tuesday, July 19th, the year 2022, day two of Southeastern Conference Media Days? It's the talking season. Nick and Mike Leach and others, um, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, um, all stating their case and letting things be done. My main man, James Mesh, and admirably uh, being inundated with things to do and doing them gracefully and magnificently. He is in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles, 1041. We are streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you just so happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines. Well, one day after Brian Kelly, um, he got his um, he accomplished what I think he wanted to set across. Uh, You came up with the words trust. You came up with the word chemistry, camaraderie, all these things that um, you don't have to have talent to have. But without it, you can't win. And um Players to a T said we're all accountable. Meals, supplement checks, being on te- on time. BJ Ogilari said it's going to help us be stronger on the field and trust each other. It'll definitely translate on the field. Trust on the field. Trust in the locker room. Trust in the classroom. Trust is the word. If you had to invited the whole team to Brian Kelly's house and told them all to bring a white T-shirt, plain, nothing on it. They would put the label trust on it because that is the mantra of this team. And trust comes with an awful lot to it. The SEC media days will end on Friday and preseason media predictions will be released. For whatever it's worth, the media predictions are never, hardly ever right unless they pick Alabama to win. LSU's not going to be picked to win the West, and they're not going to be picked to win the league overall. Um, This is a year one under Brian Kelly, and he is building a foundation. He's building for the future. He is building trust, and that is the key, building trust. So um, there you go. Nick Saban, uh, it was raining in Atlanta. And uh, Nick Saban approached and the rain stopped almost like Moses parting the Red Sea. It's absolutely uh, amazing. Um, And Nick Saban had some interesting things to say, as he always does. Um, And he talked about former LSU Tiger 
Eli Ricks. Um, and he said, you know, Eli just has to learn, learn our system, learn how to get things done the way we want them to get done. And um, if he does, he'll have a chance to be a heck of a football player for us. Alabama needs to replace um, a couple of uh, key members in their secondary. So we shall see. Nick Saban had a little funny quip uh, also today. Um, talking about, you know, he he loves his job. He loves what he does. He's tired of vacations where he's not the leader. His wife, Miss Terry, is the leader. Um, So he's back doing what he likes to do, and that's to lead a program. And, um, And he said, you know, he revealed he wanted the media to ask his SEC colleagues a specific question he said quote i wish you would ask all the other coaches that come up here because they tell all the recruits that i'm going to retire why don't you ask them how do you know i'm going to retire saban doesn't know the answer so it makes sense he'd like to know where they get their information he says all i think about is what i'm going to do if i retire See, I love what I'm doing right now. How am I going to be happy not doing it? And that's one of the most honest things that I have ever heard Nick Saban do say, because he's right. What is Nick Saban going to do if he doesn't have football? So I believe he's going to coach throughout the remainder of the contract that he signed and he'll be well into his seventies and then he'll see how he feels and, and what he wants to do then. But don't be surprised. Uh, Nick Saban is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, Matt Miguez will join us in a few minutes live from the college football hall of fame in Atlanta for his take on day two. Uh, The Big 12 has put a stop to merger negotiations with the Pac-12. Just didn't make much sense economically. Lots of travel. um, Without the L.A. market, Mm, not so. Uh, They had been involved in deep discussions with as many as six Pac-12 schools about joining the conference, and those six were Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, along with Oregon and Washington. Uh, However, all sides appear to be in a wait-and-see mood as Notre Dame makes their decision. What Notre Dame would like is a $75 million per year deal with NBC to stay independent. So stay tuned for all of that. Does that make sense for NBC? Well, that's the big question mark. Does it make sense the Lakers star trio held a phone call to confirm their commitment to one another. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook uh, reportedly had a phone conversation where the trio expressed their commitment to one another with hopes of making it work for next season. All while in the backdrop, the Lakers are trying to trade Russell Westbrook um, for Kyrie Irving. So we'll see. Uh, This was put out by the organization uh, amid reports suggesting that LeBron and Russell Westbrook's relationship has been frosty at best, especially after both attended L.A.'s Summer League games in Vegas and didn't interact once despite sitting right across from each other. 
Uh, the report's just the latest in what a tumultuous season for the Lakers is, which ended in disappointing fashion, much to the aid of the New Orleans Pelicans. Yes, indeed. Major League Baseball draft. Well, um, LSU fared well on day two. Redshirt sophomore right-handed pitcher Eric Reiselman was picked in the fifth round by the New York Yankees as the 160th overall pick. He's the third LSU player, along with first-round selection Jacob Berry, second-round pick Kate Doty to get drafted. Um, so we wish he's going to sign with the Yankees, but fellow Tiger right-hander Paul Gervais announced that he is returning to LSU's for his fifth season of eligibility. Gervais had a team-best 1.85 ERA last season, and his 29 appearances were tied for second most on the team, so he's coming back. As for LSU signees and portal additions, the only two selected yesterday in rounds 3 through 10 were left-handed pitcher Michael Kennedy and Creighton transfer Dylan to break. Kelly Kennedy was picked in the fourth round, number 110 overall by the Pittsburgh Pirates. To break was drafted in the eighth, number 239 overall by the New York Mets. And he's already indicated that he will sign professionally and forego his opportunity to play at LSU. All told, only six members of LSU's top-rated signing class have been drafted through the first 10 rounds. And that's great news for LSU. Five signees who were projected by MLB.com to be top 200 picks have not been selected, not to mention outfielder Paxton Kling, who'd already withdrawn his name for the draft. So the top, the five top 200 LSU signees not yet drafted, shortstop Gavin Guidry, catcher Brady Neal, right-handed pitcher Jaden Newt, right-handed pitcher Chase Shores, and catcher Jared Jones. So the later it goes, the better it gets. Um, right-hander Chase Shores has already announced that LSU is the place for him he can't wait for the next three years as a tiger that's a six foot eight 240 pound right-hander uh, rated as the top right-hander in texas and fifth best in the nation uh that sounds like a guy that could contend for a weekend rotation we will talk with ben mcdonald at the three o'clock hour about lsu their um draft picks uh the guys that haven't been drafted what does he anticipate for that so the number one class in the country might still stay pretty strong uh, despite the fact that rounds 11 through 20 are uh, going on today as we speak. LSU football recruiting news, in-state linebacker Tackett Curtis of Manny High has committed to Southern Cal. Um, Curtis is now the fourth player in the top 10 top Louisiana prospects who is committed out of state. I don't know what to say about that. It is what it is. You try, you do the best you can, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, so, again, Matt Miguez will be joining us here after our first time out live from Hotlanta and the College Football Hall of Fame for day two notes of the SEC Media Days. Uh, ben McDonald will kick off hour number three. We'll talk LSU baseball. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, all things with the New Orleans Saints. Um, Michael Thomas at uh, his uncle's um, birthday party, Keyshawn Johnson. And he looked good. He looked fit, putting out videos out there. Very important piece to the puzzle for the New Orleans Saints. His training camp is right around the corner. Rookies are reporting. 
uh, very, very soon. And then training camp will begin. We'll have all these stories and much, much more today. Uh, But first, let's see here. Uh, You can score a new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-283-8100. That's GAME to 337-283-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus... He'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and more. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. We'll take our first time out. We'll head to Atlanta here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, where you're home for the LSU Tigers. And this week for the SEC Media Days in Southwest Louisiana. Time for us to head out to Atlanta for the event that just means more. SEC, SEC, SEC. Here is the game's SEC Media Days report presented by Bordelon Furniture. All right, today, Tuesday, second day of the 2022 SEC Media Days at the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, Hall of Fame to be coach Nick Saban and the rest of the Crimson Tide contingent were there. Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, South Carolina making the rounds as well. Our Matt Miguez was there for all of it, and he kind enough to join us yet again. Yes, sir. Jordy, you got me? I got you, buddy. How you looking dapper, man? How's the world? The world is good. Um, Me too. Let's talk about it. What have you heard? What have you seen? Give us your bird's eye opinion. So Nick Saban was here today, like like you talked about. And, you know, that's always a, skept- a spectacle because fans from all over the South that are Alabama fans or even just college football fans in general show up here to the College Football Hall of Fame just to be in the same building as Nick Saban. So that was really cool. And, you know, I found it interesting, and and Saban's done this for a long time. He answers questions without saying anything. Correct. Correct. And, you know, it it was just – it was incredible to sit there and watch, you know, these professional media people ask Saban drawn-out questions, and he doesn't answer them at all. Do, is there any other fan base that shows up at these media days that has more people dressed in crazier apparel than oh, no. Alabama fans? I mean, they, oh, they no. dress with rings on their head, and it's crazy. Right. Yeah, they, uh, they're they a passionate bunch for sure. Okay. Um, no doubt. And, they, you know, they can peacock all they want. It's best program in football. I want to go back to yesterday and some of the so what, what you learned. We all heard Brian Kelly speak. We didn't get to hear much of the players. What was your synopsis? What was your overview of what the players had to say? Because let me preface it. They take play, certain players for a reason because they know that those players are going to pass the message that they have been taught. And uh, so what did you learn from the players? So from the players' perspective, you know, they're really impressed with the job that Brian Kelly's done since he's gotten to Baton Rouge. Uh, one thing I picked up from all three guys is that Brian Kelly has a sense of humor, which, okay. you know, watching Brian Kelly on TV or on the surface, a sense of humor is not a, word, a, a phrase that you would associate with Brian Kelly because at Notre Dame, you know, he was so rough-edged right. and, you know, got to get things done. And so it, it was interesting to hear all three of them say that, you know, Brian Kelly's a funny guy. Um, and, and they all seem, you know, 
eager to get on the football field. They all sound it, – it sounds like LSU is going to be a better team this year than they've been the last couple of years. One word I heard that from everyone was the word trust. You know, I, and they have these leadership groups that call it SWAT, and that's all a part of their training and conditioning. And you got to take vitamins, you got to show up for meals, you got to show up for weight weighing in, and all that kind of stuff. And these players take it to heart, and they have leaders like Jack Besh is a leader of one of the groups, and he says, "I don't always go after the best talented players. I go after something. I go after walk-ons because I know those walk-ons will do anything that they're told. They're always going to show." because they're trying to impress they're trying to get a scholarship um trust is a big word i think that is the mantra of this team in year one yeah no i I definitely agree you know brian kelly was asked about that in media days yesterday and the first thing he said was you know trust is a two-way street you know the players have to earn my trust but at the same time i have to earn theirs and and that's important because without that i mean you don't have a backbone to your football program Mm mm-hmm um, so it was interesting to see, you know, Brian Kelly have the, the trust and, and the amount of faith that he does in such young guys like Jack, a true sophomore representing the university at SEC media days. Yeah. So that does a lot about the players that they brought and the coaching staff that Brian Kelly's assembled. And quite obvious, uh, one of the team, one of like eight teams that didn't bring a quarterback to media day, which tells me, you know what, they really don't have one yet. And uh, that will be determined. So why don't you describe Radio Row, where you and Raymond have been doing your show since yesterday. You're about to do yours after hours today. What's it like? Uh, There are 45 radio stations set up here. Okay. And uh, it is, I mean, everywhere you look, there's another station. And, you know, there are stations from New York City all the way to Texas and everywhere in between. And uh, it's been really cool to listen to other people's perspectives on not only not only their programs, but even talking about LSU. What what is the what's the overriding perspective from those outside looking in? LSU is going to be a, a much improved team. Uh, a lot of a lot of people say that LSU is going to be dangerous if they can figure out the quarterback situation. And that that's got to come with the cachet that Brian Kelly brings. He, he just Absolutely. has that air about him, right? He just he just feel like okay, this is going to be a team that's going to play smart. They're going to play hard. They're going to play together. Uh, and Louisiana always has talent. I mean, like I, like I've always said. Since Brian Kelly came to Baton Rouge, I liked the hire because the guys always won. My biggest question mark, though, is if you look at his track record, when he gets to the big games, you know, the national championship, the Rose Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, he's never been able to win those. And there's that's, a direct, all, that's my biggest concern. Well, there's a direct correlation. He never had a top five recruiting well, class when he was at Notre true. Dame. That's a whole different recruiting ball game over there. The fact that he had a top 15 class tells me the guy can sell ice to Eskimos. Now he comes here and he's going to be all right. He's going to have yep. a whole heck of a lot more talent to, uh, to, to get and to bring into his fray. So uh, I like that. And the biggest the biggest misconception in the world is, well, he's not from the South. How's he going to fit in? Uh, Les Miles wasn't from the South. Nick Saban wasn't from the South. And then, you know, they both won. 
And you see, Jordy, I think that was my favorite part of Brian Kelly's press conference yesterday. They asked him about that fit issue, and he said, look, Baton Rouge is about food, family, and football. Yep. And all three fit in with me just fine. Yeah, I mean, he said I should have been in the South a long time right. ago. All right, Matt, uh, tell us what you got going on uh, for Miguez and Mesh this afternoon. It, it's another great show today, Jordy. Jake Crane from the Daily Wire's Crane and Company going to join me live at 430. We'll talk about LSU and what Nick Saban had to say today. And then at 5.15, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, sat yeah. down with me. We're going to talk about the Senior Bowl process and, and who he sees coming out of the SEC for this year's Senior Bowl. Oh, he's got a ton. They got superstars left and right and everywhere. So um, if, if they want to play, they'll have a spot for him. Uh, tell Jim hello for me, please. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, and I thank you. We'll, we'll do it same time, same station tomorrow for day three. Mr. Miguez, thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Jordy. You take care. There we go. That was the game's SEC Media Days report, presented by Borderline Furniture. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip, and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back at 32 minutes after the hour on this Tuesday, July 19th, the year 2022. Wanted to play some um, some sound for you in case you hadn't heard it, starting off with Commissioner Greg Sankey. He, he said, no, uh, we're, we're, we're very happy where we are. Uh, we get phone calls all the time, and uh, but we're good. We're good. But don't don't kick yourself. They've got a they've got a supplemental plan. Uh, I can promise you. I told you earlier. Notre Dame, according to reports, is seeking a uh, seventy five million dollar annual deal with uh, NBC to try and remain independent. They don't want to become a part of a mega conference, as Nick Saban calls it. Um, and it will create a college football cast system. Um, and they may have to be something to deal with in the future. Um, but Saban, as so many others, but, you know, when Saban says it, it just carries more because he's the best in the business. He thinks that realignment is being driven by money. Uh, may not be in the best interest of college football as a whole, but he said, quote, mega conferences will create more of a caste system, maybe in college football. And everyone has to decide if that's the direction we really want to go to or not. And whether that's good or bad depends on who you are. So been said at Alabama, we're one of the haves. It's probably a good thing for some of the have nots. Maybe it won't work out as well. Um, and that imbalance in the player's ability to make money from name, image, and likeness deals is is something that has caused a concern with everyone. Um, and I've said it before, salary cap uh, certainly appears to be uh, a need when it comes to that. Um, okay, let's go back to Greg Sankey. He talked about um, the SEC already is a super conference and uh, the subject of the NIL. I think we, we, the Southeastern Conference, were a super conference before name, image, and likeness. In fact, I've made that clever, I've provided that clever answer uh, a few times over the last seven or eight years. 
Um, there are any number of good stories. You know, I was up the road here an hour in Athens, Georgia, when, when Auburn gymnastics competed and Suni Lee was cheered by everyone in Stegman Coliseum. You don't get that much between uh, rivals when, when they're cheering for an individual student athlete. Um, I'll stay. Karis Jackson talked about a Bojangles deal when he was in in Destin with our leadership group talking about, I think it was 45 steps to making a Bojangles biscuit that he engaged in on social media. Um, Olivia Dunn at LSU is one of the good stories, very prepared, very ready for that. Those are the activities that we thought would be present and, and should be present, allow young people to build the brands. And I think there are uh, many more stories beyond just what you read in recruiting uh, that are positive, but one of the concerns up front was that we not do this state by state. We need uniformity. That feeds in to our ability to have national competition during the regular season and support national championships. And so the notion of some oversight, transparency, uh, regulation of the market, I think, is exactly what helps everyone. Helps everyone. Again, um, salary cap when it comes to NIL. He was asked about something I've, I I still believe is not going to take till 2025. But, uh, of course, coach speak, um, saying the right thing at the right time. Do you anticipate Commissioner Sankey, Oklahoma and Texas, coming to the SEC earlier? That's not up to me. That's uh, about the relationship between uh, Oklahoma, Texas and the Big 12. Uh, we are focused on the addition being effective July 1st, 2025. There you go. Uh, what else is he going to say? All right. He was asked, what, if you had to give a message to the coaches prior to this season, what would you say? But as we refocus, here's what I told our coaches. It is never going to be the same. But it doesn't have to be the way that it is. We're dealing with complex, complex problems that won't be solved by complaints, by accusations, by finger pointing or by offering simple solutions. What is needed now is collaboration, deep thinking about real world solutions, and everyone participating in the conversation. Of course, the, um, the blame game was Nick Saban saying that Texas A&M bought all of their recruits and the finger pointing was Jimbo Fisher retaliating, saying, look at the skeletons in Nick Saban's closet. That's exactly what he was referring to. Let's keep everything to ourselves. Let's keep it in-house. Um, you got a problem. Talk to me. Don't talk to the world and we'll handle it. All right. And he closed out by talking about how strong the SEC is as compared to what it used to be. I'm proud to say, in my view, and I think in the view of our entire membership, the Southeastern Conference is stronger now than at any other time in our history. We're poised to grow to 16 members on July 1st, 2025. This expansion keeps the SEC in contiguous states, which supports a reasonable geography among like-minded universities and keeps us confident that fan interest will continue to grow in our communities, in our region, in this country, and literally across the globe. There's no sense of urgency in our league, no panic in reaction to others' decisions. We know who we are, we are confident in our collective strength, 
and we are uniquely positioned to continue to provide remarkable experiences educationally and athletically, along with world-class support to student-athletes. Pretty good. Regional, yeah, right? that's a shot at USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten with the, they're not in the region, that's West Coast and that's Midwest. I mean, that's not even close, not even close. So anyway, um, I see he's got the best commissioner. There is no question, no doubt, they continue a long run of great commissioners um, within this conference. Back to Brian Kelly. Uh, NIL was brought up to him. Uh, the question was, you know, maybe maybe you don't have as much in your collective as some of the others. And what are your feelings about that? Here's Brian Kelly talking about the funds in the collective. First of all, I don't know that we don't have as many funds. Nobody has given me, you know, any kind of documentation that we're behind. I feel very comfortable, quite honestly, as I stand here, you know, talking to you that, you know, what we're doing relative to NIL is as competitive uh, as anybody else. I don't feel like we're being outbid uh, by anybody. I don't think that's the place of NIL anyway. So if we were being outbid, then we're going to be outbid if we have $50 million in our collective. I don't feel hamstrung by that. I want to continue to educate uh, with NIL. I want to be able to use the resources wisely to help promote name, image, and likeness and, and, and have that available uh, for our student-athletes when, when, when the time comes. We handled it so well. Perfect answer. Um, just spot on. And I talked about earlier uh, the big word that's, that, that emanated from players and Brian Kelly himself was the word trust. Listen to what Brian Kelly talked about, how he is building trust with the players and how the players are building trust in him and the coaching staff. Well, I think trust is a two-way street, you know, you know, they're earning my trust too. You know, I think, you know, it works both ways. I, first of all, trust is about saying something and, and backing it up. Uh, and, and then, you know, I think continuing uh, that relationship, you know, we're, we're working on that relationship every day through deeds, um, through things that we put in front of them uh, and say that we're going to do for them and, and backing it up. And then asking them to do some things for us and, and, and seeing that they back it up. I think in all three of those cases, we, we're building trust. As you know, Kayshawn was just awarded number seven, which we consider, you know, a a program number that, that highlights the very best player, in particular from the state of Louisiana. And, and that has to happen when, when trust has been formed. Miles has been one of our best leaders in our program. John Emery's done an incredible job of bringing himself back into our program. So I think you brought up three guys that have earned a lot of trust, and, and we're trusting them. Love it. Absolutely love it. And every player has bought into it. Um, and that's uh, terrific. One quote that um, that I saw that we don't have a soundbite of, but it's very telling to me. Um, Brian Kelly talked about LSU and and maybe this was a shot at UCLA and USC and joining the Big Ten and doing what they have to do. But um, Brian Kelly talked about LSU in 2021 playing at UCLA in the Rose Bowl. And he says it, 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 
that was a tired football team. LSU was tired. Remember, LSU was a one-and-a-half-point favorite in their first-ever game against the Bruins and in their first trip to play in the Rose Bowl. And according to Brian Kelly and others that I have spoken to, including players on that team, they were suffering from camp legs. And Brian Kelly said, quote, that's not a knock on any strength coaches. That's everybody's fear that you're tired going into your first game. Kelly vowed that wouldn't happen to his first LSU team in its September 4th season opener with Florida State in the Caesar Superdome. Quote, we're not going to be playing with camp legs. We're going to play with a team that's fresh and ready. We feel like through science, we can monitor our players through the program we have. To that end, Kelly said the Tigers have not worked out in their indoor facility at all this summer. We were outdoors the entire summer. We feel like we've managed the heat so they're prepared for the weather conditions as well as we've trained them appropriately so that we haven't worn them down. Les Miles was notorious for that. Notorious. Ed Orgeron was notorious for that as he moved along. He took, you know, he wanted the players vote when he was the interim coach, so they hardly practiced at all. They didn't do anything. Uh, everybody loved him. He's a player's coach. Boom. As soon as he got the head coaching job, he wore them out. Uh, he just had so much talent. And so, I mean, great recruiter had so much talent, uh, that they won. So a tired LSU is not going to happen under the watch of Brian Kelly. Um, Lane Kiffin from Ole Miss. I, I really like the things he has to say. He does not pull any punches. Here's Lane Kiffin talking about the name, image, and likeness dilemma. I'm not saying unfair because the rules are what they are. And so I just said it in there. People have different salary caps. And I imagine what you're seeing in recruiting, you know, those that follow it is, you know, players go to where the most money is. So it is what it is. And until it's changed, people that don't have those payrolls got to find the way around it. And he brought up another great point, as did Nick Saban. What about those boosters that are paying these kids to come to that school, ABC University, and they're paying that kid $100,000? What happens when that kid gets on campus and he starts to practice and the coach goes, man, you're not, you're not we got players better than you. You're not starting. You're, you're. Then what happens? Does that booster come to the coach and say, Hey, like an owner does to the head coach of an NFL team. Hey, look, I'm paying this guy a hundred million dollars. Uh, you got to pay him. Does that booster come to the coach now and say, Hey, what, what, Oh, whoa, I got you. This kid uh, promised him he would pay. Uh, he would play. I got him all this. Money. What's going on? So that's just some of the dilemmas. Uh, Lane Kiffin was also asked about what he thought his expectations were for LSU under Brian Kelly. Working with coach O a couple of different places was awesome and playing against the last couple of years. So, he just sent me a picture from South Florida the other day, so he's doing well down there. And Coach Kelly, having you know played against him in the USC Notre Dame rivalry, has done a great job, and his teams usually are really disciplined and perform really well. So I'm sure he'll do really good. Very disciplined, of course. Ed down in South Florida, his son, the former McNeese Cowboy quarterback, 
Co Cody is on the staff at the University of, Miza of Miami um, as an analyst. So it's down there an awful lot. He, he likes that sun. He likes that sand. Uh, is he trying to get on as a coach at the U? I don't know. I don't know. Good luck to him. He's got 17 million reasons why he can do whatever the Sam Hill he wants to do. Kiffin was asked um, five years from now, is college football going to be better off than it is now? I think that just depends on your view of things and what you consider better. I don't think it will be because, you know, maybe I'm not a traditionalist in a lot of areas because you have to evolve and how you run programs and change on offense. But um, I think for rivalries to be broken up and, um, you know, people that have been in conferences so long, like, you know, these four, you know, major teams have to move like they are, uh, you know, really, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's about money. And, you know, if it wasn't about money, they wouldn't be doing it. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's really good um, for the history of college football. I don't think we'll look back and say, wow, that was awesome. Um, you're doing it for the money as well, Lane. So uh, just slow your roll just a little bit. I like Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. And, and he has um, some unique perspectives on things he's not a, a cookie cutter coach speak answerer of questions and things and uh here's eli with all the transfer portal and the nil and everything that's out there here's his thoughts on college athletics for me the challenge for college football is not nil it's not transfer debate it's not college football expansion or conference realignment it's what are the frameworks for what we want college athletics to be what is the frameworks that we want for college football moving forward and who's in charge of making those decisions and who's in charge of doing that because then all the other decisions fall in line um, right now we've got decision makers who are making uh, decisions based off what's in their best self-interest which is currently that's the the right model but that may not be the best model for college football I don't know, I, and I'm speaking a little bit out of turn here, but I would anticipate that uh, if we're hypothetically thinking about these TV negotiations and TV rights, right, um, you've got conference commissioners selling them to TV rights, media marketing guys or presidents who are in charge of what? Creating packages for programming. So are they thinking about what's in the best interest of student athletes? Are they thinking about what's in the best interest of college athletics or the principal guiding principles? No, they're thinking about how do I make the deal for my program? What's in the best interest of my TV contract? What's in the best interest? They're not thinking about what's in the best interest of a student athlete traveling from, um, say, you know, the East Coast to the West Coast after a game. So that, that to me is my question. As I've said from day one, and will continue to say to my last breath, just follow the money. That's what makes everything work and everything is driven by that it's not about the student athlete you can drop the student part it's about the athlete it's a mini it's a, a minor league nfl system now and the haves are going to gobble up the have-nots and that's just the way it's going to be it's going to be 
Mark my word, it's going to be. All right, uh, the Houston Astros um, all-star game tonight. Juan Soto was the home run derby winner. Boy, there was some controversy in that deal. Um, How does a guy that hits 81 home runs overall lose to a guy that hits 63? Just doesn't make much sense to me. I guess timing is everything. But anyway, all-star game is tonight, and then they'll start the, the what they call the second half of the season. The Astros are hot, but so are the Mariners. They've cut their lead to nine in their division. Now, you can see the Astros live and in person against those red-hot Seattle Mariners who've won 14 in a row to date because the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Strohs take on the Seattle Mariners Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Uh, register in the game clubhouse. Now, the registration ends tomorrow. So if you haven't done it yet, do it. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back after this timeout, the Jordy Helpert Show, 1037 The Game in Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles. We are your home for the Tigers, the Astros. Astros, and for this week, the SEC Media Days in Hotlanta. We'll be back. All right, back to wrap up our number one. More good news for Jake Johnson, LSU baseball. Jaden Newt, one of their top recruits, says, "I'm not going. I'm not going to the draft. I'm going to be an LSU Tiger." So they got him for three years. Uh, Griffin Herring will also pass on the MLB draft and come to LSU. So um, the beat keeps on keeping on. Uh, so congratulations to them on that one. Uh, for the second year in a row, I'm trying to find my. My notes here. Hold on. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Where is it? Here we go. Uh, Toronto picked a raging Cajun picture for the second consecutive year. Bo Bonds drafted in round 13, number 398 overall. So congratulations to Bo. What's he going to do? And how's he going to do it? Well, we shall see. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com wants to help you out. The guy by selling, just become a rewards club member. And when you do, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Go sign up up today our number two straight ahead the jordy helper show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the tigers the astros and sec media days we'll be back live and local this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station open for the end zone it's a saints touchdown it's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. 
hour number two of two and away we go on this Tuesday. Taco Tuesday, right? July 19th, the year 2022. Much of our focus, and rightly so, it's talking season in college football with the SEC media days uh, going on. Brian Kelly, I thought, was very, very effective. I thought he did a tremendous job. Uh, today, Nick Saban led the way, and we've got two more days of all this stuff. But we turn our attention now to... Baseball, both collegiately and professionally. We've got the Midsummer Classic tonight in Los Angeles with the All-Star Game. Uh, We've got some uh, interesting races in Major League Baseball. And in college baseball, uh, interesting fact, um, the schools that had the most recruits drafted in the top 10 rounds, LSU with six, and Vanderbilt with six, followed by Texas with four, Alabama and Louisville, three apiece, Kentucky, Miami, national champion Ole Miss, and UCLA, all with two apiece. So six players picked in the top ten. Well, um, LSU's only had one number one overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft, and our guest was the first number one draft pick to win his first three starts in Major League history, a feat that has now been equaled by Garrett Cole. We introduce the Golden Spikes Award winner, member of the College Baseball Hall of Fame, um, uh, um, uh, gold medal winner at the Olympic Games. He's done it all and now is a terrific broadcaster. My good friend, Ben McDonald. Ben, how are you? How's that for research, big guy? Man, you, you did your homework, Jordy. I'm impressed. I am impressed. I, come, I gotta tell you, I man. Come Everything's good, man. I, uh, you know, I had a few days off, All Star break, and heading back on uh, Thursday because the Orioles open up a yeah. uh, three game series against the Yankees, and uh, you know, in Camden Yards on Friday. So I'm looking forward nice. to that. So yeah, just kind of enjoying the summer, a few days off, and uh, getting ready to hit the second half of the season. So well, I'm I'm thankful for you to take some time. Orioles got hot, man. What they went like ten in a row at one point. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, you know, the Orioles, you, you know, you can finally see that light at the end of the tunnel. That light's getting okay. brighter and brighter. And, uh, you know, it was a heck of a draft for them, I felt like, in, in this year's MLB draft. Some of the prospects are coming up and performing well. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's good to see the Orioles are a 500 team at the All-Star break. That's the first time that's happened, Jordy, in like five years. And so right. they're in contention. I, I don't know if they can stay there uh, because it's so difficult in the AL East and in most of the games down the stretch, the final couple of months, two and a half months are against AL East opponents. And so right. they've got to really play well to stay there. But, look, it's good to see the improvement. It's been a rough three or four years, as you know. The Orioles have lost 100 or more games every full season we've had the last four years. And so – they won't do that this year, which is great. And so certainly moving in the right direction. Only division in baseball where all five teams are 500 or better at this point in time. So you hoo to the Orioles. Um, let's break out some crab cakes and have some fun. But are we on a collision course with the Yankees and the Astros? I think so. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, the Yankees have been the Yankees. And, and look, they're on pace the last I looked to, to tie the all-time record for wins in the yeah. season in Major League Baseball history with 116. They've had some injuries along the way, and yet they still continue to do it. You know, Judge Stanton has stayed healthy. Uh, Rizzo's made all the difference at first base. Their bullpen's outstanding. Even though Aroldos Chapman has struggled a little bit, they got some other dudes that are outstanding as well. So I think the, the Yankees are there. The Astros – you know, they're, they're a, a very offensive team that can pitch it, too. But I feel like those are the best two teams uh, in the American League. But you know how it is. It's kind of like the College World Series. I mean, it ain't about who played the best during the season, who's playing the best toward yeah. the end, you know. But I, I really feel like the Yankees and the Astros are going to be there. I really do. 
Just out of curiosity, who do you have coming out of the AL Central? The Twins are in the lead with a two-game lead over the Guardians and a three-game lead over the White Sox. So it's a three-horse race in the Central. Who's the best team in your opinion? Well, you know, the White Sox uh, underachieved early, and I think a lot of people thought a lot about them you know, before the season began, and they just didn't get it done. They're coming on strong right now, but I've seen Minnesota twice, and I really like Minnesota. I think the offense is good enough. It's a top-five offense in the American League with enough pitching to go with it. So my money is still on Minnesota. I just like what I saw from Minnesota okay. the six games the Orioles have played them. And so I think they got a really solid club. But that's just one of those divisions that it is up in the air right now. Yeah, I got a couple of horse races in the National League. The Mets in the East lead the Braves by two and a half. Uh, the Braves, world champions. Um, I still think the Braves are the better team. What do you think? I do, too. I mean, Buck Walker's made a difference with the Mets, and obviously they, they've got some pieces that they didn't have last year, the Mets do, and, and so they could make a run, but it just feels like the Braves know how to do it. We've seen this we've seen this story before, right? I mean, not a great right. start last year, kind of the same thing, and he got really hot down the stretch and won the whole thing. They've been a little bit better, you know, as of late than compared to what they were this time last year, but still, I just think there's a blueprint there for them. I just think they believe that they can win. I think they're the better team, so I, I think you got that one right. All right, the Dodgers well ahead, 10 games over the Padres. They, they got control. Please tell me that you got my St. Louis Cardinals, who are just a half a game behind the Brewers. This thing's going to go down to the wire between these two. I'm hoping my Redbirds come out on top. Yeah, you know what? I saw the Brewers. The Orioles opened up against the Brewers, uh, you know, beginning of the year. The Brewers are still the Brewers. They play defense, and they can really pitch it. Like, that's their strength is their pitching staff and they can play defense. The offense is just kind of okay, you know, with the Brewers. And I saw St. Louis, too, when, when uh, we, we were out in St. Louis when, uh, when Kramer, you know, got called, Kramer Robinson got called up. Yep. So I got to see him pitch, pitch hit and pinch run uh, a couple of games. And I do like St. Louis. I, I, I really think, you know, it's about health for them. They got their, their, uh, their guys back in there. And I think St. Louis, I mean, the crowd, that, that ballpark's beautiful, Jordy. First time I've ever seen great. that ballpark. And the crowd, they show yeah. up every night and support that team. So I do like St. Louis. I really do. That's the only team in town. And, boy, they love their Redbirds. Um, ben McDonald, kind enough to join us before he heads out to, to Camden for a pretty good start to the second half of the season with the, uh, the Yankees coming to town. Um, I, I said I would pay to see Aaron Judge play. I would pay to see Shohei Otani play. I, I really would. Yeah. They're just larger yeah. than life to me. You know, I, and, I, and we ended, the Orioles ended uh, right before the break. I came home and had a four-game series against the Angels, and I got to see Trout and Otani, and I'll tell you what. You know, it's a shame in a lot of ways those guys are out on the West Coast where people around here yeah. can't appreciate what they do because if Trout – I mean, Trout's been the best player in the game for the last 10 years. He's a Hall of Famer. Shohei Otani yeah. just seems like every time he steps on the field, Jordy, he does something. We say it again. Well, this has never been done in the history of the game. You know, it's like we get tired of saying it. I mean, it's like – I think I saw something the other day, his last, I think he's 6-0 and with a point-something ERA with 50-something strikeouts, and he's, he's hitting like 300 during that time. And, and it's like, you know, every time he takes the mound, it's like, okay, well, first guy ever to get two hits, hit a home run, steal a base, and strike out 13 on the mound in the same game. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's something new, and it's uh, he amazes me to see what kind of talent he is. And, you know, I'd love to be his agent and negotiate that contract Ooh, coming up. I mean, wow. He's going to be the highest paid player. Say, well, we want our value as a starting pitcher, and we're one of the best in the game. And also we want our value as a DH, and we're one of the best in the game at doing that. So I, you'd love to get uh, 5% of that contract, whatever it's going to be. <laughs> they got, uh, they got two of the watch. best players. 
They got two of the best players playing, and they they stink. The team stinks. Yeah, how, how poorly, I know the Orioles how poorly run and, is that you know, club? It's, it's their you know at their offense, which you figure would do. You know, Rendon's been hurt, and they paid him a lot of money at third base last year. He didn't play, but not even half the season last year. He's already out the full year this year. That's been a big loss for him. But still, having said that, they're just not scoring runs, and their pitching is pretty decent. It's much improved from last year, but. They just can't score runs right now. Like, right. I mean, the Orioles pitching is pretty good, but it's not great. But Orioles held them to like, you know, in a four-game series, the Orioles held them to 10, 10 runs. You know, they just having trouble scoring runs. And if Otani and Trout don't do it, and it seems like it just doesn't get done. They are um, they're 39 and 53. They're 20 and a half games behind the Astros. It's just futility. My gosh. All right, Ben McDonald with us. Let's shift to the, the college game. I told you LSU had six players drafted uh, in the 10 rounds. It looks like Jay Johnson's going to come out of this thing pretty darn good with a lot of his number one recruiting class uh, coming back to the fold, huh? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, I talked to Jay yesterday or last night, and he felt pretty good about where they were. He was a little bit worried about some of these, you know, guys throwing some extra money at some guys. And, you know, Paul Gervais tweeted out the other day that he was coming back ready to, you know, do it again. But somebody told me he got drafted just in the 12th round just about yep. an hour ago and is really right. considering leaving. And that's going to be a big loss if he does go, because obviously he's a guy that can sit right at the back end of the bullpen and be the closer for LSU next mm-hmm. year. So, it almost sounds like if they took him, then they got to whatever number he wanted. So I look for Gervais to leave. But having said that, I think it's a really good recruiting class. And I think Paul lost what he probably figured he would lose and could have lost a few more guys and didn't in his tears. Like uh, the big pitcher from, you know, 6'8 guy from Texas, one of the best pitchers in the country. Looks like he's going to end up on campus along with some other guys. So it looks really good. For LSU, and I love what he did, you know, the transfer portal. You know, you go out and get Tommy Tanks, Tommy White from NC State. He's a difference maker. You know, we hit 27 home runs as a freshman this year. Christian Little from Vanderbilt. You know, uh, Pineda, I think, is his name, the shortstop from Baylor. And, right. of course, Carter Young, the shortstop from Vanderbilt, is also going to be okay. So that feels your middle infield needs. You know, and Tommy White will probably play third, and Morgan will be over at first. So I really like offensively where LSU is. You guys should be back. Uh, obviously, Cruz will be out in center field running around, you know, and some options there in right field as well. <laughs> excuse me, as well. So I like where LSU is offensively. The big question mark, again, is will they have enough pitching to do it? There will be some young arms in there. And he did hit the portal with a couple of those guys. I think that kid from Creighton, T-Break, Dylan T-Break, I think is his name. I'm not sure where he got drafted if he's leaving yeah, or not, he's I don't gone. know his status. He got drafted. I think he's going, okay. uh, let's see, went to the new the Mets, eighth round, number 239 overall. He's already kind of indicated he's going to sign and forget right. about his college career. Right, and then that's, that's, a, that's a loss too. But still in all, I think it still may end up being the number one recruiting class in the country because there's so many quality guys coming in. And, you know, it's going to be up to new pitching coach, Wes Johnson, who uh, I'm super excited about. To get him uh, back in a college uniform and at LSU, I think he's really going to develop these guys. I think it's going to be a big recruiting tool for LSU, too, to say, hey, we got a big league pitching coach is our, is our pitching coach, by the way. I think that's going to attract some kids, and it may have done it already in this year's draft, that some marginal kids that were thinking about leaving and say, hey, man, I can go to LSU and play for three years, and I, get, you know, I can get tootled by a big league pitching coach, which is going to be huge. 
That's awesome. Ben, um, thank you for the time. Uh, relax for your last day or two, and then uh, go have fun up there at Camden Yards. Always great talking to you, buddy. The only, still the only, number one overall draft pick by the LSU Tigers in baseball. Um, Alex Bregman went number two. You're still number one, big fella. So wear I appreciate it you, Jordy. Appreciate it. Uh, you take care, buddy. That's Ben McDonald joining us here today uh, with the very latest on uh, baseball as uh, Midsummer Classic is tonight. Yes, indeed. All right. You can score a new Apple Watch by sending a simple text message. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME to 337-283-8100. That's GAME to 337-283-8100. And once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you'll have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets and much, much more. It's the game text club. Find out more. 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. It's a Tuesday. That means it's time for the black and gold report with the saints news network's very own Bob Rose. It wouldn't be a Tuesday without him. That's next after this timeout on the Jordy Helper show on the game. One Oh three, seven Lafayette, one Oh four, one Lake Charles. We are home. We are your home for the Astros, the tigers, and this week, sec media days in Atlanta. We'll be back. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, Bob, good afternoon, buddy. How you doing, man? Good afternoon, Jordy. I'm doing pretty oh, well. Well, we're taking the show on the road now. Yes, sir. We're moving my oldest daughter into her second college apartment. Uh, and uh, yeah, my, I told her my Tuesdays belong to you. So I took a break from moving to duck out to the car. Where? What college is she um, uh, getting her higher education from? Uh, she graduated from IUP uh, a year and a half ago. Okay. And she's taken her undergrad or uh, her uh, graduate studies at Walsh University uh, near Tom Benson Stadium in Canton, Ohio. There you go. What's, what's her future? What, what's her dream? What does she want to do? Uh, physical therapy, sports science related. Uh, Very nice. She's well on her way to a master's and a doctorate. Man, that is awesome. Good for her. So what are we going to talk about? Do you do you put any credence into these Madden ratings? Does that mean anything? I, not to me, it doesn't, because I don't play anymore, Jordy. Okay. Uh, but yeah, back, back in the day, I was I, I was a gamer, uh, and, and it was all sports games, and especially Madden. Uh, you know, so I would watch for these Madden ratings, uh, but. I, I can understand, especially the younger players getting a little bit upset uh, and feeling like they got rated too low uh, because it's it, it's a little bit disrespectful. Uh, you know, at, at first, at first, when I'd see tweets or Facebook mess uh, posts, you know, from these players, you know, blasting, you know, the Madden ratings, I would think to the, to myself, yeah, who, who really cares? Uh, but then, you know, one day the kind of the light bulb turned on for me and I was like, you know what, if I was playing in the NFL, 
uh, and I always say a wide receiver, and I came in with a rating of like 75 uh, or something like that. I think I would feel more than a little slighted. <laughs> Demario Davis, uh, the number two ranked linebacker in the NFL. Fred Warner with a 94 rating. I don't understand all this. Demario Davis with a 93. But the thing that cracked me up the most, um, Mike Evans of Tampa Bay, the wide receiver received a rating of 92. And of course, that got the ire of CJ Gardner Johnson, who said, he quoted out, if um, Gardner, if Evans is a 92, then Marshawn Lattimore must be a 99 because he doesn't catch anything against Marshawn Lattimore. I love it. Hey, yeah, and he, you know, Evans really doesn't, uh, you know, those Madden ratings people, if they, if they'd watch Mike Evans against the Saints secondary, uh, and especially against Marshawn Lattimore, his rating would be like a 50, uh, you know, because you know, Lattimore owns that young man. But man, you know, those matchups are fun to watch because, you know, neither, neither player has any genuine taste for the other whatsoever. Uh, and, you know, there, there's not a lot of respect between the two. It's one thing to be rivals, but Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore legitimately do not like each other. And you can yeah. see that on the field. My gosh. Um, one week from tomorrow, uh, the Saints will be on the practice field from nine o'clock to 1130 at the Ashner Sports Performance Center, which tells me the rookies are set to report sooner than that uh, and kind of get their um, indoctrination into the program. I mean, it's here. Yeah, you can almost smell football in the air. And you're right. You know, rookies will be trickling in, uh, you know, to the Saints facility today through tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's not going to be you know, much in the way of on-field activity. Uh, but, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, like you said, you know, kind of, uh, you know, getting themselves familiar with the surroundings, uh, you know, gets coaches a chance to get uh, a, a lead uh, and, you know, working with them, letting, you know, letting them know what they have in mind for them, you know, through the upcoming training camp practices. Uh, and specifically for the preseason, I love that the rookies are allowed to report early. It kind of gets them a head start on everybody else. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the Saints' second-round pick, uh, Alante Taylor, signed his rookie contract. So um, he's got some money in his pocket and some a lot of stress and pressure off. I think they're they're very high on this guy. I, I think the kid from from Tennessee might uh, might not, might bode well and contribute this year. Yeah, I think he will too. And you're right, Dennis Allen absolutely loves this kid. Uh, you know, he fits the size, uh, you know, demeanor and physical profile of what Chris Richard has always preferred in his defensive backs. Big, fast, and very physical. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people thought that the, or just assumed that the Saints were eyeing a conversion to safety for Alante mm -hmm. Taylor when they drafted him in the second round, uh, which was a surprise pick to many, myself included. But I'll tell you, when I clicked on film of Elante Taylor uh, post-draft, I really saw what the Saints liked in him. Uh, you know, I, I think moving him to safety is a little bit presumptuous. Uh, you know, this kid can cover. He's got serious man-to-man -man cover skills, uh, and you know, he is going to be a fine third and fourth cornerback uh, behind you know Lattimore and Adebo. I, I don't think he's uh, you know got the skills as a rookie uh, to unseat. Uh, but you know, Bradley Roby. Bradley Roby, a veteran like Bradley Roby could very well be on the roster bubble if Elante Taylor is as good as advertised. Hmm. Okay. Um, Bob Rose, Saints News Network joining us. Um, I, I always like the underdog. I like those guys that are very underrated. Uh, Demario Davis, for instance, he may be at the second highest rating on, uh, on Madden. Dude's never been invited to the Pro Bowl. 
uh, over the last 10 seasons. I don't know what he has to do to get to one, but my gosh, that tells me he's very underrated. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, listen, I know I'm going to sound like a homer here, uh, but I am convinced that if Demario Davis had anything except a fleur de lis on the side of his head, uh, you know, he would be right up there with the two or three best linebackers in the NFL uh, because he is that darn good. Uh, you know, you, you, want a, you want a linebacker that can blitz the passer? Demario Davis is your guy. Uh, you want a linebacker that's an absolute stalwart against the run? Demario Davis is your guy. Yeah. You want a guy that can not only you know, you know zone cover, uh, but lock on to athletic tight ends even down the field. Demario Davis is your guy. Uh, you know he is he, he is a throwback player, which is why he's my favorite saint. Uh, you know he he would fit right in with those dome patrol foursome. Uh, you know that us older fans, uh, you know Saints fans, fell in love with. And such a great leader in the locker room. Those players gravitate to him. That's what makes him so special. Here's another underrated player, I think. Um, he had an all-pro season last year. Um, 22 tackles on special teams. 18 solo. JT Gray. He's a standout on special teams. He's He can fill in as a safety. He's from Mississippi State. I don't think he gets enough credit where credit is due. No, I don't think so either. Uh, and it's mainly because of the special teams contributions, like you mentioned, uh, you know, and, yeah, JT Gray was a surprise roster addition, surprise roster keep his first two years in the league for me. Uh, you know, cause I was like, well, you know, I, I never heard of this kid. Uh, you know, I see, yeah, I saw him make a couple of standout, uh, special teams plays during preseason games. Uh, but when he got in the game as a defensive back, he really didn't contribute much, uh, you know, kind of a slow developer in that way. Uh, but he's still a young guy, like you said, you know, been in the league, I think four years, uh, uh -huh. you, know, you know, Pro Bowl consideration the last two years, all pro last year. Uh, I love this, that the Saints put so much stock in the special teams uh, because that's that's where JT Gray got his start, uh, got his foot in the door of an NFL career, uh, and uh, it, it, he keeps getting better and better and better. Uh, and it would not surprise me if he uh, actually made a few uh, contributions in the secondary this year. Speaking of secondary, I don't think this guy gets enough credit, and I think it's his versatility is the reason why he's there and is going to be there, and that's P.J. Williams. He can play um, – he, he's like the Taysom Hill of the defense because he can play safety, he can play nickel, he can play corner. He line, goes up to the line of scrimmage as an undersized linebacker. Mm -hmm. He had his best season last year as a Saint, 52 tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, three interceptions in 16 games played he is the swiss army knife of the defense right yeah he absolutely is uh, and i remember watching pj williams even at florida state uh and he was an off the ball corner uh for the seminoles uh -huh. and that's the, that's the way the saints drafted him uh but i'm when i'd watch him in college and he was part of that you know national championship team uh the Jameis winston led at florida state uh pj was actually the mvp of the championship game but i remember watching him and i'm thinking this kid looks like a natural safety uh, and I thought New Orleans played PJ out of position his first couple years uh, trying to kind of pigeonhole him in at outside corner uh, uh -huh. but the last few years uh, you know, last two years in particular like you pointed out the way Dennis Allen Chris Richard and Aaron Glenn before that started to use PJ moving him around the formation I think that PJ really started to flourish because of that uh, and like you said he has he has the athleticism and the range for a, uh, either a two deep or a single high free safety uh, he's a great open field tackler and you know such a ball hawk when you put him as a slot corner uh, I think his his contributions are invaluable to that defense.
Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. I know you're very high on this next one, but I think around the league and maybe around even some of the Saints fans doesn't get enough recognition. That's Deontay Hardy. Um, Not only is he really good as a kick returner, but um, I didn't know this stat. He gained 6.69 yards after the catch on his grabs last season, of which he caught 36 passes for 570 yards and three touchdowns in 13 games. So he takes a small play and makes it into a big play. And that's what makes him kind of special to me. And I know he's special to you. Oh, he's absolutely special to me. And that last stat you threw out about yards after, uh, after catch yards, after contact, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Uh, yeah. Deontay Hardy is one of, if not the best, uh, you know, kick returner, punt returner in the national football league. Uh, you know, he, he's able to consistently flip field position, thereby flipping the momentum of the game for his offense. Uh, and, you know, as a receiver, I think him and Marquez Calloway both proved last year that they aren't necessarily featured wideouts. Uh, but I think that if the Saints wouldn't have drafted Chris Olave and brought in Jarvis Landry, Deontay Harris would have been a very, very capable number two wideout to a healthy Michael Thomas. Now, of course, that's the question. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I'm – I'm going to be very intrigued uh, at how Pete Carmichael uses Deontay in the offense this year, because like you said, he has such great open field abilities. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I could see them using similar to the way the 49ers use Debo Samuel, not necessarily out of the backfield as a traditional runner, but he's a, Deontay. That is, he's a guy you want to have op- get the ball in open field in open space because he makes defenders miss. And he makes things happen. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We'll take a time out. If your daughter can spare you for a few more minutes, we'd love to have you because um, the Saints are working out a, a, another player as the rookies are reporting. They've got somebody that they're working out. I can't wait to get your thoughts on him and what he may bring to the table at a very important position of need. That's a tease, we call that. And we'll have that story when we return with Bob Rose, the Black and Gold Report here on the Jordy Helfer Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, where you're home for the Tigers, the Astros, and this week, SEC Media Days in Atlanta. We'll be right back. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 20th, 1986. Greg Norman wins his first major at the Open Championship with an even par score, five strokes clear of Gordon J. Brand. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 35 minutes after the hour, Black and Gold Report Part 2 with Bob Rose helping his daughter move in as she gets her graduate degrees, uh, studies underway right there in uh, outside of Canton, Ohio. But, um, Bob, um, it's obvious that the Saints are going to be without running back Alvin Kamara for some point in time. We don't know how long or when of this 2022 season. And so you and I have talked about it before. I mean, got to go and find some other running back or running backs to, to kind of fill the void while he's gone. And apparently a standout from the USFL may be part of the effort to replace him in the lineup. Tell me about uh, Darius Victor. 
Well, first of all, uh, you know, like you pointed out, Darius Victor was the leading rusher in the USFL this past season uh, for the uh, New Jersey Generals. Sorry, Uh-oh. dropped the phone. That's okay, buddy. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, if his name sounds familiar to you, Saints fans, it's because that he was briefly a New Orleans Saint. Uh, you know, he was in Saints camp in 2017. Really? Uh, yep. Uh, and in my, huh. yeah, he was among the last cuts. Uh, and briefly on the practice squad before being picked up by the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, you know, so he has very little NFL experience on the regular season level, uh, but he does have some experience with Pete Carmichael and that offensive system. Uh, you know, Darius is a, he's a spark plug, uh, kind of you know, built like a bowling ball, as I like to say. Five uh, eight, about two ten pounds. Uh, yeah, that two ten is really solid, though. He's a between the tackles runner. Uh, you know, he's not going to fill the role that an Alvin Kamara does. Uh, you know, Victor, if he catches any passes, it's going to be as a check down guy, uh, maybe some screens. You're going to not going to see him run down the field much. Okay. Uh, you know, he's more of a he'd fill more of the role that Mark Ingram uh, you know, has filled for the right. Saints during his time in New Orleans. Uh, now, you know, people might think, well, they already have a Mark Ingram. And while that's true, remember that Ingram is 33 years old. Is going into his 12th season and has a lot of tread on that tire. Sure does. Uh, you know, so you know, Darius Victor is a guy, and again, you know, outside of Kamara, who's such a fantastic wide re- receiver out of the backfield, why would you need your running back to catch a whole lot of passes? Uh, you already have you know Alave, Thomas, mm-hmm. Landry, Deontay Calloway, etc. Uh, you know, Darius Victor, if he makes the team, it's going to be because he's a you know, he's a pile mover. Uh, you know, he, he's going to move those sticks inside the tackles. He's going to keep defenses honest and maybe even be good enough to force opposing defenses to sneak a guy down into the box. When that happens, that opens up a play action attack for a guy like Jameis Winston to go downfield or to hit uh, you know, uh, Michael Thomas on those quick slants. I really like the, the addition of Darius Victor. Obviously, he's going to you know, he gets his uh, second real chance in the NFL now. Uh, but I think that this system is tailor-made for a guy with his abilities. Undrafted out of Towson State, so we wish him the best. Okay, I don't pretend to understand Twitter and some of the <laughs> things that are on Twitter, but apparently Saints fans are like, what, what, what's going on? Because Alvin Kamara tweeted over wit, W-I-T, exclamation point. All right, you're much hipper than I am. What the heck does that mean, over wit? Yeah, as far as hip goes, we should pull my daughter out of her moving, uh, you know, moving responsibilities right now because she, she'd be able to tell tell us more than what you or I would be able to. Uh, listen, I don't buy, I don't buy into those cryptic tweets by NFL players. Uh, you know, we see it from people every year, and you know, everybody in the media, you know, tries to tries to juice something up. Well, you know, he means this, or maybe he means that. Uh, a lot of people are speculating that you know maybe maybe Kamara means he's over with it as far as the legal proceedings. Uh, you know, reading between the lines, maybe he's going to you know take a plea agreement uh, or, or some kind of plea deal. Uh, but you know, no news as far as that goes. Uh, you know, other cryptic tweets from other players have meant maybe the guy wants out of you know whatever franchise he's playing for. I don't think that's the case. Some guy, you know, this younger generation. 
And I know, yeah, you look at my gray beard and I, you know, yeah. I, I date myself a lot. Yeah. Uh, this younger genera generation likes to blow off steam <laughs> using social media, specifically Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I, I don't take a lot of stock into it. Uh, and, you know, you know we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed as far as Camara's legal proceedings go. Right. But I don't even think it has anything to do with that. I think maybe he just had a bad day and he's just over with the day. Okay, over wit W I T. We'll see. All right, uh, Bob Rose Saints News Network. I, I've seen these videos, and uh, it, it just looks like there is no doubt who the leader of this team is, and that's Jameis Winston. He's leading team workouts. He's in the locker room talking things up in, at Metairie. Um, this is Winston's team, isn't it? It sure seems to be. Uh, I mean, you know, last segment, you and I talked about Demario Davis, and he, he uh, he's the leader of the whole unit. But I love the fact that Jameis has taken control of his offensive responsibilities. And I love even more that his teammates, specifically the receivers and tight ends he's been working with this offseason, that they bought into it. Jameis is so much more vocal than I've seen him at any point in his career. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, yeah, he, he comes across as a little goofballish, yeah, uh, because he likes to have fun. He has his own language. Uh, you know, when talking to the, uh, to the media or to his teammates. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, the, you know, these guys that have been working, Saints players that have been working with him really seem to buy into what he's doing uh, and, you know, what he wants and the direction that he wants to go in. Uh, and, you know, as far as you know, leadership skills from a quarterback, I mean, what more can you ask? Obviously, we'll see if it comes all together on the field. But I love the fact that Jameis Winston has taken this leadership responsibility bull by the horns. Uh, and, you know, he, he's, he's steering it with a, a lot of decisiveness right now. And normally it's just the quarterback and his skill position players, his wide receivers, maybe some running backs. But Jameis Winston invited Andy Dalton and Ian Book, even had Teddy Two Gloves Bridgewater there throwing to players and working out together. That wow, he has matured beyond means to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you're going to work with a, you know, a, you know, Dalton and Book, who are perceivably your backup, conceivably your backups, uh, and you know that that shows a lot of you know security on Jameis Winston's part, uh, and a lot of intelligence too. I mean, Andy Dalton's been in the league a long time. Teddy Bridgewater's been in the league a long time, yep. and I have to believe that Jameis Winston is picking the ear of those guys uh, about what different things to expect. I mean, you know, Jameis has been what in the NFL seven years now. Uh, you know, count, yeah. counting the injury year, seven years. Uh, yeah, so he's seen a lot, but you're never too old to learn. So I like the fact that he's leaning on experience. Uh, and, you know, you, you can always learn from your contemporaries. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think any intelligent person would realize that. Uh, and, you know, like you said, you know, the, the fact that Jameis is inviting these other quarterbacks in and they're learning and getting feedback from each other, I think is a terrific sign, too. Bob, what is your level of confidence with Jameis? Because so much relies on the quarterback. We saw him for a brief snippet, and he was—he wasn't—he wasn't, he wasn't uh, going to be MVP numberish like. But he certainly, to me, got rid of the stigma of well, all he does is throw interceptions and turn the ball over. His uh, touchdown to uh, interception ratio was very, very good. I thought his completion percentage was very, very good. Then he suffers the injury. What is your level of confidence in Jameis? Uh, on a scale of one to ten, I put it at about an eight or a nine. 
Really? Uh, you, know, okay. you know, I've been a fan for James of Jameis Winston for a long time, uh, and I personally think he was just hitting his stride when he went down with that injury uh, last year. Uh, as far as comfort level in the offense, I think that that offense was really about to open up. Uh, you know, for whatever you know, the, whatever that might have been, you know, considering the lack of uh, you know weapons at receiver. Obviously, we have to see how his uh, you know cohesion and you know chemistry builds itself with uh, you know Michael Thomas especially, uh, but also Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry. Uh, but you know, it, we we know Jameis can put up the passing numbers. We've seen that, and now that we have seen him be able to avoid those backbreaking turnovers that crippled his career in Tampa Bay, uh, you know we saw him move around from pressure last year like we've never seen in the past. Uh, and you know, now we see that leadership and that personality kind of coming out of him. I really love Jameis Winston's fit in this offense and with these skill positions going forward. If the O-line can protect him, and I think they're going to come together pretty quickly. Like I said, on a scale of 1 to 10, I put my confidence level at about an 8 or 9. Uh, bro, Saints News Network, that's awesome. Uh, I hope it pans out that way. Uh, the Saints have had Pro Bowl talent throughout their uh, locker room through the years. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Andrus Pete, Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore, Mark Ingram. Multiple Pro Bowl bids throughout their careers in New Orleans. You wrote an article about this. Who's, who's a potential Pro Bowler on this team that hasn't earned the nod yet? Hi, there's a few that I'm eyeing up. Uh, you know, top of the list for me is Paulson and Debo. I think Paulson played, uh, you know, arguably at a Pro Bowl level last year. Uh, you know, David Onyemata and Eric McCoy are two guys I think should have already, uh, you know, gotten Pro Bowl bids uh, you know, and, and missed out for whatever reason. Uh, and, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I mean, you know, you know, Johnson Johnson's coming off the best year of his yeah. career. Uh, you know, this team. This team thrives on what he could do both on the field and from an emotional standpoint. Uh, you know, and I think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is a Pro Bowl-level performer already, uh, and I, I'd expect to see him in the Pro Bowl if that ascension, ascension continues because I think the defense is going to ask even more of him you know, this coming season. So, you know, you know, yeah, McCoy, Onyemata, Gardner-Johnson, Adebo are guys I have my eye on. Also, if this guy lives up to the billing, and, and we've been waiting and waiting and waiting ever since he was the Saints traded up to get him at number 14 back in 2018, if um, Marcus Davenport can finally live up to the billing and if he becomes a Pro Bowl player, oh my gosh, how good is the Saints defense if he does that? Oh, he takes – and how, how could I forget Marcus Davenport? Um Davenport takes this defense to a whole new level when he's on the field and healthy. Yeah, uh, you 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 simply cannot block this man with a single blocker. Uh, yeah, so that that leaves the opponents to decide who you're going to double to, who you're going to leave in single blocking up front. Onyemata, Cam Jordan. Marcus Davenport, you know, no matter which one you leave in single blocking, they're sure to wreck your offensive backfield. Uh, and, yeah, the only thing about Davenport is can he stay on the field? Because even last year he missed six or seven games. Uh, but when he was on the field, he played his best football of his career up to date. Uh, you know, and with him coming into his contract year, I think we're going to see a monster season out of Marcus Davenport. Forget Pro Bowl. I think we're talking potential All-Pro. Yeah, um, we saw some videos of Michael uh, Thomas running some routes. I mean, we keep seeing it. They keep holding him out. What do you think the plan is for him in training camp? Uh, you want to bring Michael Thomas along slowly because the last thing you need is a setback from all 13. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, I, I, I've been watching him 
uh, you know, with ankle injuries, it's not the fact that when you can run at full speed, it's when you can make those precise cuts. And we're just starting to see that now out of his video workouts. I expect the first week or so of practice, uh, you know, for him to be brought along a little, you know, a little bit at a time. Uh, you know, and maybe even he gets every other day off. Uh, yeah, I think with a guy like Michael Thomas, you take that precaution uh, and you kind of ease him into the action through the preseason. But I think it's a great sign that we're starting to see uh, you know, more than just straight straight line running videos. We're starting to see him cut uh, yeah. and do some of those you know, you know, sharp, precise movements that we're used to seeing on the football, football field. So that's a great sign of progression. Chris Olave already meeting with the city council to see how he can get involved in the community. I just like the, the kind of athletes that not only the saints, but the Pelicans are getting and how they want to just integrate themselves into the culture and the community of the great city of new Orleans. I think that's terrific. Oh, it's a great sign. And I think it actually started with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. I mean, yeah. you know, when they came in, uh, you know, in 2006, post Katrina, uh, you know, they really embraced the entire Gulf Coast region. Uh, you know, they, they didn't have to, but they built their family roots here, both up, both men uh, and, you know, just grew. And they continued to talk about, you know, the New Orleans culture, New Orleans family, yeah. Gulf Coast family. And I think that's just grown and grown. And we've seen Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, players like that, Mark Ingram. Players like that, uh, you know, take that onus from there. And like you said, you know, the the players, the type of people that these two organizations bring in, uh, you know, that that just feeds into that family atmosphere more and more. Oh, well, um, so many of these, uh, you know, like <laughs> these ratings. Of, how, how is uh, Jamar Chase not one of the top 10 receivers in the NFL, according to Matt? And how is that possible? I, I have no idea. Because, you know, for me, Jamar Chase is the top wide receiver in the NFL, certainly young wide receiver. Uh, you know, there, I watched Jamar Chase play and all I can think of Randy Moss, who can run over the middle. Uh, you know, I, I think Jamar Chase has the potential to be a, uh, better wow. than Randy Moss as far as an all around wide receiver. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow's got himself one heck of a player up there in Cincinnati. Yeah, no question about that. All right, uh, rookies are reporting. That means the vets are coming in pretty darn soon, and that means the start of the Dennis Allen regime, um, which I think will be very, very similar to what we saw. I guess the big question mark is how's Dennis Allen on a game day? That's yeah. when uh, that's when Sean Payton kind of morphed into – uh, somebody else and just was got the player's attention. I, I'm just curious to see what Dennis Allen's like on a game day. Yeah, so am I. And I have confidence in D.A. I think he's going to be a terrific coach. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we've already seen a glimpse of how he's going to run practices through OTAs and mini camps. Uh, and it's very similar to the way Sean Payton approached, uh, you know, things. Uh, you know, so I have confidence that the organizational structure is going to remain the same. But like you said, time will tell, uh, you know, when this team faces a big decision in a big regular season game uh, or you know, deci big decision time come third and fourth quarter of a divisional, you know, game which they open their first three weeks with one uh you know how's da going to respond how are the players going to respond to him uh you know just like you asked with Jameis winston i have a, a high amount of confidence in dennis allen but we won't know for sure until we see it done on the field 
You're right. Okay, Bob, uh, please apologize to your daughter for me for taking your time. I hope she didn't lift all the heavy stuff. And I hope she saved that for you. But I'm tell pretty her sure congrats, they did. Tell her congratulations. We wish her nothing but the best. And uh, I look forward to doing uh, your podcast tomorrow night. So just send me the details and we'll rock and roll. I will do. And speaking of teasers, folks, if you love Jordy Haltberg, make sure you turn into the Bayou Blitz podcast tomorrow evening at 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, we'll post the uh, the links to watch through Facebook and Twitter. But I'm honored. Uh, you know, I'm honored to have uh, you know Jordy on with myself and Brendan Boylan. Uh, you know for episode number one of the Bayou Blitz reboot. Ooh, I better study up. This is pressure. You're, <laughs> I may I may take your high ratings and then to pummel them. So I got to study and get ready for it. So anyway. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. Bob, thank you. Uh, Tuesdays are always better with you. And we have an outro for you, too, as well, buddy. You take care. You, too. Thank you, Jordy. All righty. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, 56 minutes after the hour, time to say goodbye. So special thanks to our guest, Matt Miguez from um, College Football Hall of Fame for the SEC Media Days. We'll hear from Matt again tomorrow. Ben McDonald talking Major League Baseball and uh, LSU and the College Baseball and the MLB draft and all that. Jay Johnson's going to be A-OK Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Tomorrow, again, another report from the SEC Media Days. Michael Huguenin will weigh in as well. We'll also get the Schwab, Frank Schwab, and talk things about the NFL and anything that else is coming down the pipeline. Um, uh, James, thank you so much for everything you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Coming back tomorrow, same time, two to four, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And by all means, be happy. Life is short. Let's make it sweet. So long, everybody.